Well, good. So good to see you all here today. Who's uh, who's ready for the uh, to go out to the Clayton Festival after the service? Yeah, it's going to be a good time when we're going to be able to walk around, present Jesus by, by just being a, a happy, smiling face, just caring for people but at the same time we're going to be sharing the gospel and we're going to be bold and proud about it because he is the light amen it's good so I just wanted to this morning just recap for a moment who remembers a few weeks ago three weeks ago to be exact pastor Kyle had some balloons yeah he had some balloons he had the big balloon and then he had some small balloons and the big balloon represented God and we were all scared that he was going to pop the balloons the whole service and then he did pop one and we, <laughs> and we but it just represented how we are to be connected with God we don't stand on our own in fact we we uh, when we try and stand on our own we that's the we, we fall to the ground and that was just a powerful analogy and then he revealed a week later, some circles, and we've been talking about those circles. You might remember those. Uh, I don't know. We've got uh, this is Pastor Cheese rendition. It started a little bit simpler, and now it's a beautiful kind of a person in the middle. They're not quite circles, but we've got a person with a heart. Jesus on the heart, as it flows from that person, it, the, we build the church. The church affects the world, and we see God's eternal purpose come to pass. And so we have been trying to do in this more than able series, we've been trying to kind of teach a, whole, a bit of, I guess, theology, a bit of understanding about how God is intending to work through his church and through us as individuals to be able to present his eternal, uh, what his plan is for the world. And so that is what we've been doing the last few weeks. And today I'm going to do it as well. I'm going to focus on the church part of it, that church layer there, okay, around the person there. And, uh, but for, before I do, Pastor, Pastor Chi last week talked about a heart retreat. A heart retreat is something that we are pull, pulling together as a really pivotal, pivotal uh, and, and significant change piece for our church this year. What, we, what we're seeking for you to do is, if you can express your interest, if you just go to the next slide, uh, express your interest. If you are interested in coming to this, there's more. If you scan that QR code, you'll find more information about it. It's two weekends this year. Uh, basically, you only attend one or the other. The whole purpose of it is, is that we are going to seek God, spend some time encountering him. We are going to unpack some scripture about how we change how our heart changes, how God moves in us to bring about the work that he wants to do. And I think that this is actually something that many of you will be yearning to go to. Some of you will have questions, but we, this is a pilot. We're trying to basically put this put before you and get your interaction so that we know how to teach. We know there's something special here, really special. So we would ask that you would... Uh, express your interest if you are able to come to one or the other of those retreats in April and in June, uh, and we would love for you to be there. So scan the QR code and have a look at that. That's the heart retreat. But today's message, as I've said, is all about the church, and I really want you to leave today with a high view of the church, okay? A high view of the church. 
Uh, it's not uh, my words that's going to be important here, but it's the, it's the Word of God and specifically the Apostle Paul. As we, We're going to have a look, a bit more of a look at Ephesians chapter 3. That's where we've been hanging out for the last three weeks. We're going to continue there. I guess the thing is, when, we, when I say the church, we all have very different understandings of what we think the church is. Uh, we tend to think of perhaps the body here, this group of people gathered uh, on Sunday mornings, and this is the church. Uh, but we are connected to a body that's perhaps down the street, and we've got this thing we call Together for Clayton, a bunch of different churches uh, who gather together, but we're connected under the one banner, the church. This is God's church, and it's really important that we understand that. But there might be another 20 uh, churches in the suburb where you live and then uh, hundreds, if not thousands, in Victoria and absolutely millions around the church of churches, of people gathering together as the body of Christ to represent Jesus to everyone everywhere with everything. Now, that's not everyone has that vision like we do, but they have a subset of it because that's the role of the church, to represent to stand before the world and show that this is how God moves. He, he moves through the church. Now this is the church of God gathered and it's moving forward and it's alive. The church can never be repressed. The church is God's main agent and rep- of representation to the world. Now we might often speak messages about what the ch- church needs, you know, uh, and things that we want you to do. We want you to do some things. And we've asked you, you know, in those, uh, the volunteer videos, we'd love you to do some things. We, we need, the church needs to function. We need to make coffee. We need to, uh, we need to count the money. We need to do all sorts of things that um, enables the church to function. But often the way we talk perhaps as a church or uh, might mislead us that the church is all about just doing a whole bunch of things. But less about who we are or less about who we need to be. I don't know about you, but I have no more time in my life to do anything more. To do more things. Every one of us is busy in some way. It's a standard answer we have. You know, we're all busy. But if I understand, though, what it is like to be the church, what is the purpose and what's the rich blessings that we have to offer in Christ, then the church becomes an expression uh, more of who we are than what we do. And you know that verse that says, you know, that they will know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. That's the church being the church. And so then people see it and they know that we're disciples and they follow and they seek to follow. It would change the way we view church and the way we would serve differently. If we understood that there is sometimes limits and seasons of service, that service is not an end unto itself but it's part of the greater aim. I want to be part of a church that understands the reason it exists in the spiritual realm and that is committed to administrate that. I really want to be part of a church that experiences the unfathomable blessings of Christ for you and for me. And that flows in the way we represent Christ. I want to be 
part of a church that believes and sees the supernatural moving of the Holy Spirit through gifts and prophetic healing and with power. I want to be part of a church that impacts the world. Amen? And in fact, I want to be part of a world that, uh, sorry, a church that the world looks to us because they see Jesus amongst us. Amen? That's the kind of church I want to be part of. You might be saying today, please don't ask me to do anything more. I'm just struggling to put food on the table. I'm struggling with my mental health, perhaps. I'm struggling uh, with my kids in year 12 or, or, or my marriage is just getting by. But we recognise that coming to church is, is not everything in your week. Coming to church on a Sunday is not everything in your week. But we understand that you need to encounter God. You need to be encouraged. You need to be edified and worship with your brothers and sisters. So I'm not going to ask you to do anything more today. Uh, I'm asking you to be the church. Be the church. And we're going to unpack a little bit about what being the church is. You know, somebody said to me the other day, God is doing something in our church. Do you believe that? God is doing something in our church. Uh, But that same person says, I'm not sure we're ready for it, what he wants to do. Perhaps that's true. God has placed us in a location here, Clayton, slated to be the second biggest CBD in the city in Melbourne because of all the various things that go on here and what they've planned for the future. Second biggest CBD. No more Dandenong, that's Clayton. Central hub. Huh? Did I say something wrong? I guess what we need to understand is God has placed us here for a purpose. Yeah? God has placed us here for a purpose. You are in this body. God brought you here and you found a home here. And we want to continue to build this house. God is bringing his message to the world and he's reconciling all things unto himself. But his plan is not just for individual disciples. The disciples are made and formed when they are part of the church. And you and I are the church. So today we're going to take a journey. We're going to take a further journey into Ephesians 3 one more time. We've been looking at this chapter from like a whole bunch of different angles. But today I hope to unpack, you know, the Apostle Paul's revelation of the truth. I hope to unpack his, his joy about the riches we have in Christ and the representation that we, of the church is to the world. Okay? So let's have a look at the screen. And uh, the next, we're going to read from... The start of the chapter, the start of chapter 3, starting at verse 1. When I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles, dot, dot, dot. It says dot, dot, dot there, okay? Paul, he pauses here. You know, in some versions of the Bible, it's a super long dash. But what this indicates is that already he's just started the, the, the chapter, or he didn't, he didn't know it was a chapter, but he started this part of uh, the, the letter, and he's, he's already had a change, not a change of mind, but it's just a diversion. It's like he needs to teach some theology here. He needs to get us on the same page. He says, when I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, the, uh, for the benefit of you Gentiles, oh, hang on a moment... 
Hang on a moment. Uh, I need to do a bit of teaching before, my go- uh, before I go on. Perhaps I need to establish some theology about the church and set up my credentials, and then I'm going to get back to the thought later on. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to unpack this little bit here. You know, he gets back to the main story in verse 14, which we know very well, but we're going to continue now reading from verse 2. Verse 2 says, Assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to us, his holy apostles and his prophets. Now, why is it important here that Paul establishes that the truth was revealed to him. It's because in the past, on the road to Damascus, you remember the story, God had to hit him over the head pretty hard. Or perhaps it was, you know, we know that it was a blinding light. A blinding light had to uh, basically blind him and get him on his knees so that he would see the full truth. What God's true plan actually was. He had a life-changing revelation on the road to Damascus that Jesus was the Messiah, he was the promised one, and actually uh, that ultimately he was going to declare the truth about Jesus to the Gentiles. And he hated the Gentiles. He hated them. But he was blown away. He was brought to his knees. It was important for Paul and how important it is for us that we have a right understanding of the truth. It's vitally important. Vitally important. Because Paul was, you know, he was one of the best scholars out there. In his mind, he was serving God with everything he had. He was persecuting the Christians, which he thought was so 100% in line with what God wanted him to do. He was putting them in jail and he was loving it because he was doing the thing he thought God wanted him to do because, but unfortunately his truth was incomplete and he was grossly misguided. So Paul had to have a life-changing revelation. Today for us, our revelation is in the full counsel of the Bible that Paul didn't have. He didn't have the New Testament well, because he wrote most of it. But we have the Holy Spirit also to reveal the truth and to apply it. And we have our church. We have our brothers and sisters in Christ where we sharpen one another and we help each other to keep our eyes on what is truth. Church, today we need to understand right theology precedes right practice. Right theology Proceeds right practice. Now, a right understanding of who who God is and his intention and his plan will define how we act day to day. It's really important that we understand this. How we grow and how we prioritize things. Well, most of us would probably say, oh, I don't know much about theology. It's not really important to me. The fact is we all have some kind of theology, some kind of understanding of God that guides our actions and our day to day things. Most of us get most of our theology from the songs we sing, which sometimes is good, sometimes not so good. 
But it's so important that we understand what God is doing in his word, that we understand so that we might walk correctly. And this is what we've been trying to do in some of our recent messages in this More Than Able series. We've been trying to bring about a good theology of God's master plan because it's not just about us and what we do here on Sundays. This is part of what God is trying to bring about in the world and we are part of that. His eternal purpose in the, in the world and how he uses the church and how he changes and how he grows the human heart. You know, I remember a story about wrong theology and definitely wrong practice. It was this time and I was just walking uh, recently in Clayton and I remembered we were down, uh, for some reason we were down the street here and there's a vacant block of land which is still there and it was there when I was about 12 years old. Now we, didn't, we weren't happy uh, as, a, as a group of us. Uh, we weren't happy with the the way that two boys who were coming to our Sunday school, their names were, I'll call them V and D, okay? V and D were coming to Sunday school and we weren't happy with them because they were coming and they were smoking out the side. This was Sunday school, so I can't believe it. That was amazing. But anyway, they were smoking out the side and then they were coming in and they would cause all sorts of trouble and we thought, this is just not right. So as a group of 12-year-old boys that we were, we thought we were going to take this into our own hands and sort it out. Okay, so we had a right, in a way, we had a right motive. We thought that the church should be a place of order and we should be able to speak the word of God and nobody should get distracted. But what happened, what happened is that our wrong theology uh, led to wrong practice. And so for some reason, it wasn't me, but I was an onlooker, so I guess I'm complicit, but I... Uh, we chose uh, to alert those two boys, V and D, that we next Sunday, when you come to Sunday school, we are going to fight you. <laughs> yeah. So it's quite, you know, not right, of course. <laughs> not right theology. We were trying to do the right thing. We had all the good intentions to maintain order. So we turn up, uh, we go to Sunday school that morning, the next week. We all go to Sunday school, we're all sitting there. And uh, we turn, we, after Sunday school, we all go down to the block of land that's still de- there down the, down the street. And uh, two of the boys, like, quite seriously, I was, uh, I was such a scared little guy on the side. I had nothing to do with this, but we were standing on there. I was just kind of, well, what is going on here? This does not make sense. Anyway, two of our the guys on my team, uh, got out there and they started swinging punches with these two other guys, V and D. And then what happened is uh, D went over to his bag and he opened his bag and he pulled out this spanner that, I kid you not, well, as a 12-year-old, it was huge. It was this big. And we all scattered and ran after that. I don't know if they ever turned back up to church again, but unfortunately we missed the point, didn't we? We miss the point, just like Paul missed the point, just like uh, sometimes in church we miss the point as well. When we've got the wrong theology, the wrong understanding of what God's intention are, is, we build the church or we, take a, we, we step forward in our lives in the wrong way. And how important, 100% it is important that we understand what God's purpose is for the church. 
It's not just about us having this nice life with God, me and him and nobody else. God's got a purpose for this place. We need to understand it. So God revealed to Paul, as he reveals to us, the truth about his heart for us and his master plan for the world. And I want to move over to the second R that I've got here, which is riches. The riches of God. Because I feel like Paul is super excited when he goes on to the next part of the passage. These are the treasures. We're going to talk about the treasures that we hold as the church. The things that define us, that make us different from what the rest of the world is like. These are the things that if we hold them tightly and understand them, what is happening there is we've got these, these treasures in jars of clay and we're holding them and it defines what we are like. It makes us different from the world and is the thing that presents well and represents to the world. So we need to understand these things. Now, most of you will hold these things. You'll understand them already. But we're going to remind you of them this morning. So just continuing on here from verse 6, and he says, and this is God's plan. Pastor Chi talked about God's plan last week. God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews will believe the good news. And they will share equally in the riches Inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promises of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures. Available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept from the beginning. So we've already referred, uh, as I said, uh, Pastor Chi talked about God's mysterious plan last week to share the good news equally to Gentiles and Jews. But what are these riches that Paul's talking about? These riches and uh, these, these blessings, these treasures, what are they? They sound like something so central to the message of what we hold as the church. And Paul also feels so privileged, as he says here, to be able to be the one grace, to be able to share these, this with the Gentiles, which is effectively the, the world. Well, he's referring mostly in, in this in this passage uh, to what he says in Ephesians 1, chapter 1 and verse 3. He says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Every spiritual blessing we have when we are followers of Christ. Every one of them. So much so we really can't gather them all up and hold them all at the same time. But we have them. We are partakers of them as individuals, but as the church. And I can just feel Paul's excitement here. Paul loves a good list. He loves the list. I like a good list because you can go sequentially down. I I love dot points. I don't like essays. I like dot points because it's easy to see what are the things that we hold dear. And in fact, these riches and blessings, it was what he was on his mind when he interrupted his thought before. 
You know, when he interrupted, he said verse 1 and then he interrupted his thought. These are the riches. So we're going to run through some of these that are listed in Ephesians 1. The list is not exhaustive because we'd have to look at the whole counsel of the Bible. But these are what Paul is excited about. Now, you may take one or two of these today that speak to you, that can be your revelation of God, that is him working in your heart. But as I read these, I will pause and I'm going to ask you, I'm going to say, and the people said, and I want you to say as a group, amen. Okay? So we're going to try that. And I'm going to say, and the people said, amen. Because we are going to agree as a church that these are the riches that we hold. These are the things that we carry with us and we represent to the world. Because the more we carry them, the more that we live them out, we will be that kind of representation to the world that he's called us to be. All right? And the people said? All right, good. It's okay if we get a bit noisy, a bit rowdy, but... uh, Let's, let's agree that this is the good news. So the first one. We are chosen just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And the people said, Amen. Amen. We are chosen. God created all things. He chose us to be his. Furthermore, he chose us before he created the world. That's a blessing. In other words, he specifically chose to create us and he chose to make you his child. Who wants to claim that this morning? We can. With the body of Christ, this is our blessing. This is our riches, one of our riches. The second one, we are holy and without blame. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's verse 4. And the people said, Amen. Amen. While we live in this world, we will sin. Yes? However, sin is no longer our identity. Amen? Amen. If you are in Christ, you are holy because Christ is holy. It's awesome. Your actions do not define you. Christ's action on the cross defines you and makes you holy. He crucified our old sinful man or woman and he's clearing out all our guilt and he gave us a new life, clothing us in his righteousness. Amen. That's good. Number three, adoptions, adoption as sons and daughters. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. And the people said, Amen. Amen. In addition to being specifically chosen by God and then made holy, we have also been adopted into his family. The family of God. God is our father. The church is our brothers and sisters, and we are no longer orphans. Amen. That's good news. Number four, acceptance in Christ. He made us accepted in the beloved. And the people said, Amen. Amen. Our acceptance as sons of God is not based on our own actions or our inherent worth. It is based on the grace of God that is ours through faith in Jesus Christ. Since we did nothing to earn our acceptance, we can do nothing to becoming unacceptable to God once we are in Jesus. That's good news. That's good news. We have redemption through his blood, number five. In him we have redemption through his blood. And the people said, 
Amen. We're coming to a time of Easter. We are celebrating this, that his death and his resurrection. Redemption is like similar to a ransom. We were slaves to sin, but Christ paid our ransom with his very blood. We are no longer slaves. We are redeemed. Amen. Forgiveness of sins. Number six, the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness... Oh, hang on. And the people said... Yeah, the forgiveness of sins can only be found in Christ. There is no other way to obtain forgiveness. I am the way, the truth and the life. So if we belong to Christ and we confess our sins to him, we are forgiven. Amen. And we stand on that. Number seven, riches of grace, riches of Christ's grace, according to the riches of his grace, which he made abound towards us. And the people said, Amen. Amen. Grace is often thought as an undeserved gift from God. And grace is definitely undeserved. However, it is far more than a gift. Grace is God's enabling power to live the Christian life. If you're in bondage to a specific sin or it feels impossible to live in victory... You have access to the riches of God's grace. Thank you, Lord. This grace is available to every believer who will reach out in faith and receive it from God. Three more to go. Knowledge of God's will. Having made known to us the mystery of his will. And the people said, Amen. Amen. Does it ever feel like God's will is a mystery? But God says in Colossians, he says, God willed to make known what are the riches of glory, of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This might not be the answer you've hoped for. Nevertheless, it is an immense blessing to have Christ as our hope of glory. When Christ becomes our life, he enables us to live the Christian life. He sanctifies us. He conforms us into the image of Jesus. And he gives us hope for eternity. This has been the will and the purpose of God before the foundation of the world. We have an inheritance. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. And the people said, Amen. You have received the spirit of adoption. We are children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God. And joint heirs with Christ. That's Romans 8, 15 to 17. And finally, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. In whom also, having believed, you are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. And the people said, Amen. Amen. One reason it is better to have the Holy Spirit than to have the physical Jesus with us, because that's what Jesus said. He said, the night before he was crucified, he said, it is your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So Jesus was saying, it's better that I send the Holy Spirit. But one of those reasons is it's just so good that he is with us today. The Holy Spirit is with us right now. 
Church, I really want you to understand that some of those may make sense, some of them may not. These are the riches that makes the church who we are. These are the things that we hold on to. These are the riches that define us as the church and they cannot be taken away from us. Amen? Can't be taken away from us. These are the riches that we offer to the world. And finally, we have the representation. The representation. And in verse 10, Paul says, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display the wisdom, his wisdom, in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out in Christ Jesus. I'm just going to read that verse again because I really want it to sink in. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church. That's you and me. That's us. It's all of us. The church here at Clayton, the church with Together for Clayton, the church broadly. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. God's wisdom in his extraordinary plan of salvation is to present the church as his multifaceted, many-coloured, culturally diverse, rich and beautiful community of believers. There is no other human organisation like the church. So as broken as we might feel at times, when we come together, when we walk together, when we exist as the church, we are what God wants us to be, to represent to the world. So to draw this all to a conclusion, if I can hand the worship team up here, we're going to return, you know, where Paul interrupted his thought. He had a thought at the start, then he wanted to explain what the church was about and he wanted to talk about the revelation, he wanted to talk about the riches and he wanted to talk about how we represent as the church. Well, then he returns. He returns in verse 14. To where he was going. And we've read this passage three or four times, or five or six, over the last four weeks. But I just really want to now read it with us thinking of the lens of the church and how we fit into the church. I want you to think about also how we represent and take these riches that we've just talked about. And really are so thankful for them. So Paul starts again in verse 14. He says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father. When I think of all these riches, all these blessings, all these endless treasures, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home 
in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And then you may have the power to understand, as all God's people, the church should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And the next slide. And let's read this together. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Lord, we are the church. You have given us everything we need to be the body that you've called us to be, to represent to the world the way that you have called us to do. And we don't understand how that needs to happen a lot of the time. But we understand if we take this truth and these riches and these things that we hold as the truth and we walk forward and we trust that in the spiritual realm somehow and in the physical realm we can do some things and we can stand up. But ultimately it is by your power that you make your truth known through the church to the world. And we want to be those people. So, Lord, we just stand here, sit here, trusting that you have got a plan for this church, that you are more than able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or think of or conceive or dream. We trust that you will. We want to be used in your hands. We want to serve the way you've called us to serve. We want to represent you in our workplaces, our homes, our families, our schools. We want to be the church, the church of God that you've called us to be. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.